Welcome to the National Food Strategy Special, the finale to the Food Foundation consultation with young people like us from all over the country. Fantastic. Welcome, everybody. This is so exciting. Lovely to see you all. I'm Abby. I'm Charlie, and we've been thinking deeply about the food system in Britain and its relationship with our health, our pockets, and the future of the planet. This podcast special tells the story of how 20 young people between the ages of 11 and 24 came together via Zoom over two days in November to work out nine brand new policies which we think should be part of the new national food strategy for Britain. Anna Taylor is the director of the Food Foundation and she explained what we were all here to do. Hi everybody, I'm really brilliant um, that you could join us and I'm really excited about what you're going to get up to in the next um, couple of days. Um, So as you know, this is part of a big effort to try and consult young people about the future of the food system in Britain and how we need to make it deliver better outcomes for everybody, both our health and also for the planet. And um, all the things, all the work that you're doing is going to feed directly into the development of this national food strategy, which is being written by a man called Henry Dimbleby. He's been asked by the government to write it. It's like it's what the government calls an independent review. And um, I'm giving Henry advice on that process. So Henry's going to join us tomorrow when you feed back all of your ideas. So he'll be able to hear directly from you. And I'll be here for all, for the whole weekend session so that I can glean all your kind of brilliant insights and suggestions and make sure that they're fed in throughout the process going forward. Food Foundation facilitators Hannah and Florence have been working with us throughout the year visiting 15 schools and nine youth clubs with Zoom workshops and teacher packs, resulting in a phenomenal consultation of 426 young people across the country. Have you ever seen a jam board before? Put your hand up. Quite a few of you. Florence and Hannah introduce us to new online resources that would make our ideas count and fine-tune our thoughts that really could change the world. We use the breakout rooms to discuss our own roles in the food system. Each group is going to be given a word, one by me and one by Hannah, and we're going to discuss what that word means to us. Group one discussed the word citizen. Oh, Abby. Part of a community. Part of a community. Yeah, that's great. Anybody got any other ideas? Abby? Like being part of a country and having equal rights to everyone else. Having the responsibility. All these ideas of what we think a citizen means, let's get them on the Jamboard now. Hannah read our ideas from the Jamboard. So we've got member of community, someone who belongs somewhere, having equal rights to others in your community. So we've got things like someone who isn't discriminated in society, someone who will help. That's a really good one. Someone who is recognised. Great. Someone who will help, having equal rights. A helping hand. Brilliant. And we could see the other group's ideas coming in. They're kind of like the opposite of us, aren't they? So they've got things like using a product or receiving something or purchasing something. Izzy kicked off the guesses with what their word was. I was thinking customer. Customer. Great word. Anybody got anything else? Kiara, have you got a hand up? Yeah. Consumer. Kiara, you were bang on. It was actually consumer. That was their word. So what do we think the main differences are in those words? There's no right or wrong answer, don't worry. <laughs> I think, like, being on here, I guess we're, like, a citizen because we're, yeah. like, helping change things. In Florence's group, Georgia and Saban were clear about the difference between consumer and citizen. 
Yeah, we were saying um, that it's more commercial being a consumer, um, but they go hand in hand, um, being a consumer and a citizen. Yeah, great. Uh, Subhan, you had some uh, some really good suggestions. Um, yeah, I was saying being a citizen, everyone's a citizen. Um, and that kind of gives you a more, gives you this kind of principles and tradition. Whereas being a consumer, you're kind of helping the economic cycle um, and you're maintaining that providing revenue and profits for firms um, and different businesses. The two words that had come up in Charlie's group were active and passive. While we are all consumers, we realised that it felt much more passive than being a citizen. Working out where our power lies as consumers and citizens was just the beginning. Next up, how to change the world. Some of the group had their own ideas of what advocacy looks like in their worlds. Jacob and Georgia didn't have to go far to find their power. Would it be advocacy if my sister like converted pretty much my whole family to become pescatarian because she was talking about it all the time and then gradually we all became pescatarian? Um, well, mine's similar. Um, I'm vegetarian and I made um, my family go vegetarian as well. Yumna told the group what advocacy looks like as a member of the Youth Parliament in Birmingham. We carried out a knife crime campaign within Birmingham and like we went to different youth centres, carried out workshops and also like as part of my own personal advocacy work, um, healthcare, so like co-facilitating healthcare sessions within Birmingham Children's Hospital and Birmingham Women's Hospital and I talk about youth engagement within healthcare and that part of my advocacy work. So much of our information and inspiration comes from influencers on social media. As we watched a video featuring 13-year-old Severin Kulis Suzuki in Rio 1992 and 17-year-old Greta Thunberg at the UN Climate Session in 2019, we thought hard about how we could have the same kind of impact. Here, you may be delegates of your government, business people, organizers, reporters, or politicians, but really, your mothers and fathers, sisters and brothers, aunts and uncles, and all of you are someone's child. This is all wrong. I shouldn't be up here. I should be back in school on the other side of the ocean. Yet, you all come to us young people for hope. How dare you? And the whole point of the weekend conference is that we were getting the chance to talk directly to decision makers the next day. We jumped back onto the Jamboards to pin our virtual post-it notes about what techniques we'd picked up from the video. Jacob kicked it off. I was going to say a lot of it was like addressed to people in charge. So using like you and like pronouns like that. So that it kind of addresses who the issue is has been caused by and like how you can like change it and who like needs to help change it. Charlie. For Greta Thunberg, she used emotion to make these people actually feel bad. She made it like actually really sound personal um, and emotional, make it feel realistic. I think that was really good because it, it's so effective. Uh, Abby. Use like facts and figures. Fantastic. I'm really, really glad you picked up on that. There was some really good facts and statistics that people were using to support their arguments. Izzy? Um, I liked how people had the confidence to do big speeches in front of decision makers. Do you think that that accusatory technique that Greta uses there would be appropriate? Georgia? 
Um, I think it definitely depends on the audience because um, if you are doing like that, of course, it plays with empathy and um, makes the person feel bad, so wants to change it. But it can also, um, some people may seem as just being like, they're feeling attacked, but also, especially because she's like younger, that they're just being like dramatic and um, not using actual facts and it, it doesn't really mean anything. Really getting the bigger picture is vital to being taken seriously by decision makers. As Florence reminded us, joining the dots is key to understanding the impact of the whole food system. From production to processing, manufacturing to transport and point of sale, we unpacked how food gets to our plates and its impact on the planet, our health and our pocket. In three groups, we worked out what it takes to get different products to market. A green apple from a farmer's market, a McDonald's apple slice and a Tesco apple pie. As we posted our thoughts about our group's products, Hannah read them out from the jam board. Oh yeah, import orchard, brilliant. And um, it would be given water, farmer would be there, farmer who grows the apples, yeah. Um, the apple tree, oh, I think that should be like right at the beginning and the seed as well. Pesticides, yeah, really good that you've identified that. Distributors, yeah, right at the end, transports, brilliant. Bees, yeah, we need to protect the bees, definitely. That's really good that you've identified those as well. Definitely a really, really important uh, factor in our food system. Growth of apples dependent on weather conditions, if it's grown in a non-controlled condition. Yeah, absolutely. Unpacking the whole food system, I started with the basics of what you need to get any apple product. Um, so first we start off with like the seed and to even get that far, you need the land to grow it on. Um, and then, like, the farmer would have to work to, like, through the whole process. You'd need bees to pollinate the flowers at first and then, like, water. Kiara was on the McDonald's apple slices. Uh, depending on where it's been growing, you're going to need transport to transfer it from one place to another. Then um, distribution... And then you're going to need marketing in order like, for people to know that there is... Otley was picking apart the Tesco apple pie. And then you'd need to actually make the pastry so you'd have all the factory workers. Then you need to transport it to Tesco's and that would take like some lorries and all of the lorry drivers. Then at Tesco's you'd have all of the people who worked in the warehouse that shelved all the things and kept um, it all stocked up. And then you'd actually have the cashiers who actually sold the apple pie to you. And it doesn't end there, is he? Um, there's going to be people at the waste processing plants that deal with our rubbish and our food waste. That is a really, really um, great suggestion. Thanks, Izzy. Alexander, do you want to just share any thoughts on that? If we make less food, then we eat less food, then we waste less food. So if we just, we won't need, I don't think we need to worry about that. I think we should just sort out those problems earlier in the chain. Yumna is up for a complete overhaul of the food system. I was thinking um, about the food system the other day, about how the fact that it's a structural problem that's been cultivated over a number of years, it's about the corporate consolidation of power from like the government and the business, um, which basically has enroached on our food consumption and monopolised the agricultural industry. It was all coming together. 
our role as citizens and consumers as advocates who really understand the impact of the food system on the way we live, our health and our planet. This is what kids need to learn in school. Florence summed up our thinking. So when we're thinking about our food system and some of the problems that it presents and some of the the outputs that we don't want to see, um, and we can think about who has the power and who has the control to change these things, and we're thinking about the systemic government structures that we can influence and we can change. We're thinking about how people can use maybe their celebrity or their their other sort of different types of notoriety that they have to influence. We're thinking about um, advertisers and marketers. What power do consumers have to control the food system? Izzy, Saban, Poppet and Jacob have the power. If we refuse to buy things that don't fit with what we want to see, so if we don't buy things which produce those greenhouse gases, then they're just going to go out of production because they're making a loss rather than a profit. Um, if we refuse to buy stuff and decrease the demand, um, then there's an economically also known as an excess demand. So suppliers would have to decrease the supply um, and then not make a loss, essentially. Supply and demand is really, really important thing to remember. Poppy? Um, you've then also got, because doing that would mean that all everyone has to agree on the fact that we don't want this certain product. So if you just take away that product being there, then it's not available. There's no, there can't be a demand for it because it's not there. I think a lot of petitions help as well. I remember there was one like a year ago and it was like reducing sugar in like cereal and stuff. And then it was like reduced by 20% in most cereals. So I think if people actually do sign certain petitions, then it can make a difference. In the second half of the session, we looked at the even bigger issues around food, working out where the impact hit hardest, money, planet or health. We started with lack of awareness. Do we think that's a health issue, a planet issue or a money issue? Georgia? Because it's so easy to get food, um even food that's like worse for the planet than others, you don't really think about everything that's come before it or after it and the effect it has on the planet. Jacob? I think one of the other problems is with food and being bad for the environment is how far the fish travelled. And mm-hmm. I don't really think that labels are big enough to show like where food is from. Often we don't really check to see if it's from a different country. And yeah. that can lead to like a lot of the environmental like problems. That comes with food. Abby? Like, if our parents aren't taught about it, then we won't know because they might just go to the shop and buy something and we'll just, like, eat it because it's, like, in the house. Youth MP Yumna says it's about money. I think that it depends on the area that you live in. If you live in an area that has, like, a high prevalence of um, food inequality, you don't really think about, like, the food system and, like, what goes, how it affects, like, your daily life or how it affects other different things. But if you can access food really easily, like... Um, local food that is healthy then you won't need to think about it as much why do we have why are shops promoting health unhealthy food um well i think a lot of the time unhealthy food is a lot cheaper than really like good organic healthy food so they might just promote it so then people are more likely to buy cheaper food than they are to expensive food even if it's really bad for their health Okay, let's pick another problem. So I'm going to pick Saban. Let's pick another problem and say whether it's health, planet or money problem. So we've got welfare system lets people down. Do we think that's health, planet or money? I'd put it in the middle. Um, Because, for example, with schemes such as pupil premium, um, that's what I've seen firsthand, despite it helping people to actually get food, 
in schools. Um, I've seen, despite having people premium, people can only access like one sandwich a day and they can't access like a fruit or a drink. So um, although it, it kind of gives them choice sometimes, um, sometimes that's limited and they have to buy unhealthy food as a result of not having enough money. Okay, so food is transported around the world. Choose whether it's a health planet or a money problem. Georgia's got a hand? Um, I would also suggest that it is a, a money problem as well um, because um, it, it means that wages would be lower to get at a good price to be transported around the world. Mm, that's a really good point. So people choosing to source food from further away because they can get it cheaper because labour is cheaper, which is why yeah. we have things like fair trade to make sure that those products we're importing, um, the, the people that produce them are getting a fair price for their their um, their product. Really, really nice point. Thank you, Georgia. Why do you think we have um, so much food transported across the world? Because it is cheaper. Um they can get away with cheap labour, whereas if it was in the UK, that wouldn't be allowed. Health, pocket or planet? We spent the afternoon chatting about which problem had the biggest impact. The value of food or our addiction to cheap food, plastic pollution or the minimum wage. And we found out that it was all related. As we headed towards solutions at the end of the session, we all agreed that learning to cook was really important. People will continue to buy cheap food with its heavy carbon footprint as long as they think it's easier than cooking from scratch. Aditi wondered if it's because cooking skills are not taught in the family. Maybe their parents don't know. That's a lovely suggestion. So their parents didn't teach them. George has got a hand as well. Um, there, um, There's just like so many easy options that are much... Um, that are so much quicker that even if you do have a lot of spare time that you can be doing it like you doing it for like entertainment instead of like making food yourself and it's also just not skills that um are taught in schools or anywhere alexa's got a hand as well alexander um i think one of the problems is the system because the system is built to make money and not to be healthy or environmentally friendly or any of that it's just built for economic growth great i'm putting a capitalist system for, focused on economic growth there for saban it was more than just learning to cook food skills had to include environmental awareness too because if people had more information on how to um, use waste how to make healthier food where they can get healthier food from and the effect it's having on the planet um, that would reduce negative effects on the planet and it would, on a large scale, help everyone's health um, if they all worked together and had education on food and the environment. And all of us agreed that advertising unhealthy food to kids was a huge part of the problem. Kiara and I had an idea. There are many adverts for unhealthy foods, which is the reason why many people eat unhealthy foods and it makes people want to want it more so if we create more healthy food adverts maybe it would want people in to eat more healthy food abby um it is like say if you see a mcdonald's advert on tv they make it look like really appetizing and everything so if they do that for healthy foods then people might uh, have more chance of like wanting to try it and jacob 
Georgia and Saban had the problem of food miles sorted, buying local. I think of that as being like an environmental solution and also health, because environmentally wise, that means like less like carbon emission. And for your health, there'll be like less like preservatives on the food and stuff because there's less like travel. So then it'd be like better for you. Great. Georgia? Um, I'd also say that it would also be for money because it gives more jobs to people in the UK and um, could higher wages um, to uh, give more options to people living under the poverty line. Brilliant. And what do you, what would you like to say, Savan? As well as those two that I mentioned, um, it would definitely benefit the UK economy um, because they'd rely less on imports and they could increase their exports and that would um, better the economy, obviously. We found there are so many aspects of the food system that are interconnected. If we improve wages, people can access healthier food, which means they become healthier too. Healthier, happier people have more time to care about the environment and food justice all over the world. It really felt that we had some important things to say to the MPs and members of the National Food Strategy team, who we would meet the next day, including Henry Dimbleby, who is reporting directly to government. Listen to part two of this podcast special to hear what we said in our presentations and what the decision makers thought of our ideas. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.